If you want your project to look and sound better, bring it to the team that cares about your project. AlphaDogs.tv When we last left our heroes, they were locked into a terribly important discussion. Let's drop in on them again as they plot the future. Now from the Top Dogs Kennel in beautiful downtown Burbank, it's the Terrence and Philip Show. Thanks again, Gary. We miss you. Hi, I'm Terrence Curran. And I'm Philip Hudgens. And this is the Terrence and Philip Show. And I am going to throw a subject on Philip today because he's sort of the expert on it, but it's just popped up. Stanford came out with like an announcement of what they're working on. They're working on developing um, an editing application using AI to kind of do a rough string out of all the dialogue Then an editor would go in and polish. And when I saw that, I'm like, this is really funny because it went viral today. Yeah. But I saw it, I'm like, well, that's like Philip was showing me that in 2008. Uh, the biggest difference is that what we did in 2008 was essentially a knowledge system. Mm-hmm. We had to map how I would make an edit, and that's what a knowledge system is, a pre-artificial intelligence. We modelled and reproduced the decisions that one person or a team of people might make mm-hmm. in a field. And so I would have to – I would explain how I would do an edit or why it was wrong, and then Greg would make me turn that into a rule of thumb. That must have been fun. Yeah, it was. Unfortunately, I have almost evenly split creative analytical brain. So it's like, that's how the edit should be done, says my creative half of the brain. Mm-hmm. And my analytical side says, and why does that edit work? And how do I make that a rule of thumb? And now, of course, rules of thumb are never going to be precise to the frame right. on the perfect edit on every frame. But a rule of thumb is a great interaction. So, you know, there's about five or six hundred of these rules of thumb that all interact in a particular way. That's how many rules you came up with on yours? Very big number. We got to the point where the question of whether we should patent it or not came up, and it's like Greg's immediate response is, we can't patent it, we'd have to work out how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but what would happen now, first of all, they're doing a speech-to-text translation so they can compare what's shot with in the script. Okay. We should first of all point out it is for scripted only. Right. This doesn't apply. So the input to our system is a standard film script and multiple video takes, each capturing a different camera framing or performance of the complete scene. Multiple takes right. of dialogue. Our system then automatically selects the most appropriate clip from one of the input takes for each line of dialogue based on a user-specified set of film editing idioms. So there's your rules again. Yeah, kind of. But they've now got the speech-to-text and that alignment, right. finding the performance. So uh, yours depended upon the manual metadata entering. Yeah. You know, putting in all of who said what, when, and all that. Now a lot of that gets automated. But yep. it sounds like it's still coming down to the same thing. You should have well, patented it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about patents is that they're very specific and uh-huh. this probably wouldn't infringe our patent in anyway. And I'm not in and of itself a big fan of patents mm-hmm. until I get a big idea that patents are going to make me very, very rich. And but then you'll change your mind. <laughs> then I'll change my mind, of course, like everybody does. But, yeah. but in general, I mean, we've done a number of things that many companies would have patented. Mm-hmm. Partly we never did because we didn't have the money. Right. But more importantly, we didn't have the money to defend right. a patent. Right. Which, you know, if you want to defend a patent, you better have a couple of million dollars in the bank just for the defense of the patent. Mm -hmm. So we always decided that continuing to innovate faster would be a better way of going about that. Mm -hmm. And certainly the company that copied Lumberjack and incorporated it in an 8.5 release of their app (laughs) would be an example where we'll be so far ahead of them by the end of the year that it's irrelevant in the rearview mirror Mm -hmm. that somebody might have copied where we were two years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you've got to keep innovating constantly so that you can stay ahead. And while that was a great idea then, Mm -hmm. 
now we have a whole set of tools that we could use. And it's not surprising, but it's not coincidence at all, that the structure of metadata in Lumberjack, location, person, activity, content, is pretty much the structure of the keywords for first cuts. Mm-hmm. Not entirely coincidence, I should point <laughs> out to that. So any of the advances in cognitive sounds services... Like, sounds like a master plan. Well, we had a technology that didn't succeed in that iteration. Mm-hmm. The technologies are not bad technologies. So as new opportunities come, well, you know, we had a, an application in 2009, 2010 called Predit for the old Final Cut, mm-hmm. which took transcripts and enabled you to break them up by paragraph and apply keywords to each paragraph and, and build stories with it and all. The cost of transcripts in that time frame was astronomical. Now we've got transcripts from $4 a minute then down to $0.50 cents a minute if you correct it yourself in Speedscriber, even less in some services. You can do it virtually for free for, with... Um, I'd have to look at my blog to get the exact name, but I've just recently wrote at philiphodgets.com about transcription services, and there's one we think built on the Speech Dynamics engine out of Cambridge that's in 25 cents a minute. Wow. And it's a web application, so you don't even need a specific application. Mm-hmm. So we've gone from $4 a minute to 25 cents a minute, so I think the market for transcript-based indexing for a start, you know, having everything searchable by word right. is something that's been a, an advantage of Avid on and off over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> off mostly of the last couple, but back on again now, mm-hmm. except for they're not content-based. They are, as we've mentioned before, these are phonetic search, that right. in the Exidius technology that Avid licenses. Whereas what we're do- talking about now are real proper transcription services. So we know what's been said in every take because we're reading the words and understanding that the content of the word. This is something we can then use to extract further metadata like keywords, like Lumberjack has been doing for two years. Mm-hmm. Things like that, emotion, image content recognition, these are similar services that will work together to make more and more sophisticated tools for the pre-edit part. I don't think that this is a replacement for an editor on a feature film or a television series. No. No. We, I'm pretty sure. It's sh- more like uh, the string out. Yeah. Anything that gets you to the point where you do the creative work faster, I think, is a benefit right. because everyone's getting less and less time to do that creative work. So if we can move one or two days of prep into creative time, I think yeah, that's a good thing. I would say it cuts more into assistant editor territory than. Yeah. And I think a lot of assistant editors might, you know, well, they're not going to lose a lot of jobs in ho- on Hollywood, but I think for the independent producer, and mm-hmm. I, I know I come back to somebody like Serena Catania. Mm-hmm. You know, Serena is a producer, editor, shooter. You know, for her to organise all this stuff takes an enormous amount of her energy and effort. That's not creative. Right. But if she can pass that all off onto you know, artificial intelligence systems, cognitive services, and better tools for building that preliminary starting point, then that will free her and hundreds of people like her, thousands of people like her, to be more productive and more creative and finish more of their projects. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's taking the... Well, gee, it sounds like somebody's uh, tagline. It's taking the uh, the drudge Bo- work out the of... Boring out of post. Yeah, <laughs> the boring out of post. The boring out of post. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so now we have these cognitive services that we can start to build the more sophisticated knowledge. Now, the way that machine learning works requires an enormous number of examples. So in theory, if we had enough examples of wedding videos that were right. in some way... So you're talking about where you have to tell it the rules ahead of time instead mm. of it figuring it out. Well, in a knowledge system like we did yeah. f- for first cuts, you have to tell it the rules ahead of time. Right. What a machine, a learning machine does, neural network essentially, mm-hmm. what they do is that they work it out for themselves. Based on a million of Millions of examples. So they have to look at other edits yes. to go, okay. But they have to be graded. Mm-hmm. So we have to have a large body, you know, 100,000 wedding videos that were all graded for quality. Okay. Which is the biggest stumbling block right now. Mm-hmm. 
because mm-hmm. I don't know where I would find that body of work. Wedding videos tend to be relatively easy to get 100,000 wedding videos from Weaver, mm-hmm. but how do you get them all graded for, you know, which are good examples and which are bad examples because you need to tell the machine. So you almost have to go with a, a reviewed type site. Yeah. You know, something like but that. But you need, you need huge numbers of examples. And so this is a sticking yeah. point at the moment. I was reading just earlier in the week, an article that talks about the dangers of these learning machines because they are making important decisions about people's lives. And honestly, we do not know how it's reaching the decision. We know that the neural network ultimately gives you the same results as the human input data set did, Mm -hmm. but how it got to that result, literally nobody knows because the machines self-correct that's why, you, you know, it's like, here's my answer. No, that was a bad answer. Well, we'll feed back into the mechanism of feedback loop so that we go more accurately. We'll try a little this, this tweak here, tweak there. Do we get closer to accurate? No, we'll go. And it's all doing that for itself based on the examples. So we certainly don't have enough wedding videos or corporate videos. These are low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. to start building these completely automatically let alone TV shows or feature films, you know, where would you get a data set of at least 100 or 200,000 feature films that were graded for quality? Uh, Netflix. Yeah, it would get you close to 100,000. But does there actually quality ranking? I mean, who's, who made this decision about this absolute standard of quality that we're going to use as a well, reference? The viewers. The viewers are the ones because, you know, you have the rating system. Yeah, which, which is a viewer rating system. Well, yeah, but that's your target audience, right? But it's, so now, simpl- it's now simplified back to just thumbs up or thumbs down. There used to be a five-star oh, yeah, rating. No. Yeah, no, five-star rating that. may have been useful for that. Yeah, but thumbs no. up, thumbs down is too crude. Well, Netflix still has all that information. Yeah. And which Netflix, is how they... And Netflix are probably already doing this. They, they do. Are, they are already using AI to determine the most appropriate scripts to... Approves. They, yes, they do. They do it for the shows too. Yeah. I mean, all of the shows that they are doing as original productions, they've determined are what they should be doing for their target audience. Yeah. Which and they have those metrics, which yeah. is a huge advantage over all of the the networks who depend on Nielsen, which is a very crude system. Yeah. Yeah. And because they also they also have metrics like how long do people watch exactly for and they know when you turn in when you paused it how long it was paused etc you know did you pick it up again yeah they have all of that click a few simple check boxes while you're on the shoot and you'll be more organized than you ever thought possible and have a head start on editing if you use Final Cut Pro 10 if you want these benefits head to lumberjacksystem.com anyways sorry I just went out to the side but as an aside doesn't that make the producers the easiest people to replace with AI uh. Probably. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what traditionally a producer does, right? They're mm-hmm. the ones who determine, hey, this is a great project. Now, this needs to be made. This will do well. I, on Netflix's behalf, I think I will make sure I put in here that the final decision to greenlight anything is made by a human. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for now. For now, yeah. Yeah, but the data that they have behind that decision would be way superior to any right. producer, classic producer who is really... Going by the seat of their pants. The words I was trying to find a better way of saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the intuition, their the yeah. experience and intuition. Was it Sam Goldwyn or I think it was one of those, a famous quote that, you know, if it made his, his butt clench or something, he said then it was a great movie. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'd be worried about the ones that make them relax, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to make, you know, speaking of that, if you want to make money in a movie, make a horror movie. Oh, yeah. It's pretty much the yeah. guaranteed genre to make money. Yeah, you can make it cheap and it will get watched. Yeah, which is really what we need. So, <laughs> so while this is really clever and it's a stepping stone along the way, mm-hmm. in the same way that Watson pulling out selects for Morgan for the trailer, right? these are stepping stones along the way. They're, they're data points to the direction that we're going. There are certain things that we're going to get to very quickly, like these 
pre-editing tools that are preparing something for a human to put together. Mm -hmm. But I think they will miss out on a lot of the intuitive moments. So hopefully we'll still have enough access to the original keywords and filters so that people will still find moments that go together for a person that wouldn't necessarily go together for an algorithm or a machine. Yeah, that's the third step, you know, way beyond. When when AI gets to the point where it's intuitive like that and it tries things that don't make sense and to see how they work out, yeah, then we're in trouble. Yeah. We're not, but that's a ways off, a long ways and off. And I, I expect to have another 30 years in my career, and I don't yeah. expect to see that. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I don't mean, never say never. And yeah, well, the, yeah, the, the thing you can't rule out is some bizarre, unforeseen exponential leap in technology, which you know could happen, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, you know. it, it's the it's the <laughs> unknown unknown. Exactly. That, uh, yeah. Yes. Before uh, before the microprocessor, you couldn't possibly have you know foreseen this. Or before the internet, the the pervasiveness of networking. I mean, yeah. back to Star Trek. They definitely saw the tablet, particularly yeah, like the Next Generation and Voyager era. They mm-hmm. saw the tablet coming, mm-hmm. but completely missed the network that goes behind that. Right. So people handed over tablets like the pads, yeah, like iPads almost. <laughs> <laughs> so it's impossible to see real amazing shifts like that. So barring that, mm-hmm. but certainly we're going to see in the next five years an enormous boost to the front end of these cognitive services and machine learning is a level above cognitive services speech to text image recognition emotion recognition all of these kind of uh, sentiment extraction those are going to eliminate the uh, ae's jobs and the loggers yeah yeah, you know, that's the first to go. Yeah, well, with Lumberjack, my philosophy was always until we can get the metadata automatically, early and easy is the next best option. Mm-hmm. And so we went for early and easy by real-time logging, and, of course, now we've added transcript mode and automatic keyword extraction. And yeah, These are works in progress, and they will get definitely better over time. Mm-hmm. And when we can go to concept extraction, and, you know, Watson now has concept extraction, it's an obvious direction to go that any sort of pre-editing tool will use cognitive services to derive the metadata. Yes, I know that there are people who have to see every frame and I'm sure that there will be some level yeah. of the industry that will still accommodate yeah. those divas. <laughs> or, or, but at the same time, most of us have to churn out a result in the minimum amount of time yeah. possible with time. the least amount of time, with yeah. the least amount of money possible. So anything on these cognitive services that can point you to the areas of high emotion in your you know, 60 mm-hmm. hours a day of rushes might be useful. Anything that can point to anger... Yeah. Or yeah, basically any of those things. That's gonna, that's your reality TV right yeah, there. Yeah. So just finding those things automatically is going to make a huge difference. Have all your B-roll recognized. You know, it's not just may contain animal. It's like bounding dog or mm-hmm. that's got more sophisticated. And the more people that use these tools, the better they keep getting because every yes. example processed it's a is a learning system. is a learning yeah. system so yeah. so we don't have to program speech to text we can just call you know IBM Watson speech to text engine or we could call Microsoft Cordana's or we could use Google's APIs and have that decades of research the most smartest smartest engineers in that field mm-hmm. they are doing all this work for us we just have to pick up the end result we don't have to do it you know as a programmer greg doesn't have to write the programming language too right he just has to use the results of that work that somebody else has done to make something specific to his needs yeah we're in, and in our industry we're gaining from the fact that there's a lot of other industries that are going to have a big advantage from you know speech recognition mm-hmm. and etc so 
there's tons of research going into that. And so we're actually benefiting from it because nobody would do this research mm. for the film business. Well, <laughs> it's no, just be, like, but, but, it's like GPUs. You know, yeah. the reason that we aren't spending a quarter of a million dollars for an edit system now is because of gamers. This was a huge market of gamers who want a faster and faster processor. So they develop the GPUs for them and then we get the benefit of it. If they were only developing GPUs for our industry, we'd still be paying a quarter million dollars for an edit system. But I should point out that IBM, Watson, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft were all at NAB touting machine learning and cognitive services to the very industry that we are part of. Yeah, but you know why? Well, because... It ties to commerce. It all comes yes. back to commerce. Actually, but, Michael Phillips, I don't know if you saw his thing. He had a booth up there because his company and his technology that he's um, selling right now is tying... Um, it's kind of like what Lucas Wilson was doing, but even better. It's basically they can tie to the audio with timestamp. Bottom line is if you're watching something anywhere, whether it's on the internet or on TV or whatever, you want to find out about the jacket that that person was wearing yeah, and yeah. then you want to order it, et cetera. This is where they're all kind of coming together. It's that we're back to metadata, but their interest in all the metadata tags is how can we drive more commerce from the media yeah. that we're presenting to people? So that's where all of them are, are and I'm trying to track it down but apparently there was some comments or, or n- announcement between IBM Watson and Adobe that they're, they're working together to bring more metadata search more cognitive services and Axel the asset management system is now including AI based mm-hmm. image search into Axel and Avid's doing something with Microsoft yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, because these people already have the services available mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. anyone can just pick hook into. Be be you Avid, be you Adobe, or be you Lumberjack. I mean, these are available to, you know, to Martin with Speedscriber, to Cormelt with their you know, Scriptomatic and Transcriptize. I think it is. Uh, no, that's not right. The Digital Anarchy one. So oh, I, yeah. Well, like I said, this is interesting times. Yes, um, and that's a curse. May you live in interesting times. It is. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, it doesn't impact directly to what I do on a day-to-day basis because I'm not doing the you know basic creative editing but for give, the most part. But given that it's all about metadata, effectively, it's right up my alley. <laughs> yes, I was going to say this. To, well, and 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 wrapping it back to the beginning. Um, when I saw that article, and then this is again, this is a Stanford guys right? yeah. touting that they're doing that, and just thinking, just cracking up internally because it, here I am in 2008, and Philip's showing me this, <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought it's kind of funny that they caught up to you. And look at how many guys there, you know, you, yes. you, you the rock, you know, back to. Uh, what we were talking about in our other podcast about fraud syndrome. Yeah. Here's a rocket scientist trying to do what you were doing. Yes, yeah, so probably around this time I should stop feeling like a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've probably covered that as deeply as we need to. There's a lot of interesting things happening. They will impact on the pre-editing side fairly quickly and fairly fast, not in the more conservative parts of the industry, of course, mm-hmm. but on the fringes, and this is why we see such a big adoption in Europe um, oh, on the, okay. because the smaller market, so... Everything in Denmark has got to be fitted into a budget. It's less than 5 million viewers because that's the entire population of the country. Wow. And it's the entire population. Yeah, I don't think of, about that. Yeah. The entire population of the world that speak Danish <laughs> is a fraction of the population of California. So everything has to be done to a budget that's appropriate mm-hmm. for that market. So always European producers are looking for ways to do things more efficiently and faster and for 15% less than last year. A quote from aforementioned producers in that country. (laughs) 15% less than last year. Yeah. Every time they come back for a new season, it's got to be done for 15% less than last year. 
You know, there's a limit to that at some point. <laughs> at some point. At some point, you hit zero. <laughs> Actually, never do hit zero. Well, close, <laughs> enough, close enough to zero that you can't break any change to get there. Yeah, it's true. It's close enough to zero to not make anybody happy. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody turns up to work, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's only being able to be done because of increased efficiency. So there will be people who use these increased efficiencies, and there are people who will become less competitive. Right. And that's really what it's going to come down to, is there's nothing wrong with being traditional about it as long as your market, the particular niche that you work in, will, will stand that and will still pay you the money to do that. But frankly, I see the way the world goes, and the, the least expensive, least hassle way of doing it will be the way we go. Exactly. So those of you who are listening to us, if you are doing anything that's a repetitive task every day, or if you're doing something that you can learn, a job that could be learned in four or five days, you might want to look at changing into another area of the industry where creativity is really important, because that's going to be the last thing to be replaced. Yep. Even the production drive is likely to be replaced real soon. Yeah, very soon. So (laughs) focus on being creative and not on the mechanical skills that you have. And thanks for listening. You're an editor. We know you spend most of the month in a dark cave. So just once a month, get yourself out of the dark cave, away from the solitude, and be with other editors at the Editor's Lounge at Alpha Dogs. EditorsLounge.com.